seated, and I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles with me this evening and turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter number 23. And once you have found that, go ahead and put a finger there or a piece of paper or something like that, and then turn also additionally to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5 um, this evening. Very thankful uh, for the opportunity to speak and to share God's Word this evening. Do be in prayer for our pastor. Um, he has been, over the past several uh, days and nights and really weeks, been um, spending much time with this family, uh, with the home going of Margaret, uh, a lady there in the Chertsey area. And um, just pray for them. Pray that this would, the Lord would work at this time and do impossible things. And so, um, just pray for that family. Psalm 23, and a very, very familiar chapter, very familiar psalm, maybe, maybe the most famous psalm, um, maybe arguably with uh, 51 or 119, but Psalm 23, and uh, we'll read the whole psalm this evening, but I really just want to look at one verse, verse number one this evening. Uh, and, and, and kind of parallel, parallel that with Hebrews chapter number 13. And so uh, Psalm 23, verse number 1, the Word of God reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." And if you turn with me then to Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 5. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. And I hope with the Lord's help to draw a parallel between these passages this evening. Hebrews 13, verse 5, the Word of God says this, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And uh, you may wonder, what do these passages have in common? Well, I'd like to draw your attention there in verse number 5 of Hebrews 13 to the little phrase right in the, the middle there, be content. Be content. And then in Psalm 23, verse number 1, I shall not want. I shall not want. And uh, with the Lord's help this evening, we'll look at this. Let's pray and we will we'll dive into this passage. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee again for Thy Word, and we thank Thee for these famous passages. I will never leave Thee nor forsake Thee, and the Lord is my shepherd. Lord, no doubt, passages of Scripture that we have all turned to time and time again, Lord. Many of us probably have memorized the 23rd Psalm and Hebrews 13.5, Lord, but I pray tonight that Thou would make Thy Word alive to us, that we would have open ears, ears to hear, soft hearts, ready to receive Thy Word. Lord, please speak to us. 
Please deal with us, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. The, the subject tonight that I'd like to talk about is Christian contentment. Christian contentment. And uh, I think this is one of those topics uh, that, that we, would, we would all like to think that we possess and that we have. But if we were quite honest with ourselves, we would find that, that we are most probably all wanting in this idea of contentment. I'm going to take this down if that's all right. And uh, contentment's a simple word, a word that deals with a rest or quietness in the present condition. I think the, the most simple word that would compare or go along with contentment is to be satisfied. I wonder tonight, are you a satisfied person? Are you satisfied in life and in the way things go? Or are you a person, maybe we could even say, that has peace? And uh, I, I think it doesn't, it doesn't take long to look at our world and to recognize that we live in times where there seems to be no peace. I think it was Jeremiah that said that, that the people say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And uh, many, many people are trying to, to find peace, trying to find satisfaction, trying to find contentment in this world. But I wonder tonight, do you have contentment? Do you have true satisfaction and peace? Now, when we talk about Christian contentment, it, it goes even deeper. And uh, uh, you can't have Christian contentment without having Christ. And uh, tonight, if, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then, then you will never find true peace until you know Him. You'll never find true contentment until you find the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I beg you tonight, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, then today is the day of salvation. You say, I, I don't know how to have Him. I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for satisfaction. I'm looking for contentment. Well, seek the Lord while He may be found. There are, there, are, there are dozens of people under this marquee tonight who I know can show you how to find Him and where to find Him uh, this evening. And so Chris can, Christian contentment is this. We could define it. This isn't my own definition, but a man by the name of Jeremiah Burroughs he said this, Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Let me read that again. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. And I wonder tonight if you have true Christian contentment where you would say, I am content in Christ. I'll tell you this tonight. Con contentment does not deal with the amount of stuff you have. Some people think, well, I live a simple life and I've, I've gotten rid of a lot of things and I'm content. And that's good. The, the Stoics also, though, believe that. They were willing to give up so much and uh, abuse themselves. The, 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 you can go to, to, to groups of people in, in, uh, that are Buddhist and, and in Hinduism who, who have for, for, forsaken all and they've learned to be content with very little in, in the different mosques and monasteries and things like that who are, are worshiping their God, they're content, but it's not Christian contentment because it's not contentment in Christ. And so I, I think, you know, the, the, the reality is if you, if you look at our generation and 
I think may, maybe the, the best way to think of it is, is as a little child. A little child goes into the store and, and he's going through the aisles of, of the, the supermarket or the grocery store there and, and he wants that bag of crisps. And so the, the mother and father says, okay, okay, you can have that bag of crisps. And then they go down the next aisle and, and they see the, the chocolate bars and they say, ah, I want a chocolate bar. And the mother and the father uh, maybe maybe the child's been really good. Maybe it's their birthday. Get them the chocolate bar also. But now they come down to the till, and there it is, that big bag of Haribo's. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that right, but, you know, the gummy sweets. And the child says, I want that too. And finally, the mother and father says, no, you've got the crisp, you've got the chocolate. And inevitably, none of the children in this this tent tonight would do that, but inevitably, the child blows the top off, throws a fit, jumps on the ground and pounding the floor. And I hope that's none of you children here tonight. But they're discontent. They didn't get what they wanted. And and uh, the, the truth is, is maybe I, I remember I was that child one time. I wanted a snowboard and my mother wouldn't buy me that snowboard. And I threw a fit. I lost my cool. I was discontent. I wasn't satisfied. And we like to think that that's something that only children struggle with. But the reality is, even as we grow older, though we learn to cover it a lot better, we are still just as discontent. We're not content with the clothes we have, not content with the cars we have, not content with the homes we have. I'd be honest with you, we just moved into our new place and I've already learned to complain about different things. Oh, I'd I'd like to have three rooms instead of two and maybe the garage could be a a little bit larger because we have one car, but maybe we'll have seven someday and so I need to have room for them and all of these things. We're a people who are discontent. Let Let me tell you what discontentment is. It's covetousness. Covetousness. Covetousness is this. To covet is to have an earnest desire for something. Now, I understand we have desires for things, and, and, and that's okay, but to have a desire that is consuming and, and is not from God, that, that consumes us, uh, that, that drives us and, and changes who we are. Covetousness. You, you know the book of Exodus, and you know Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. And God said, Thou shalt not covet. I wonder, do you covet? Do you covet after, after your neighbor's house? After your, after your neighbor's uh, animals? Maybe, maybe you don't covet after the animals. That's what the, the Scriptures say. But different things that your neighbors have, or that maybe other people in this tent, or other people in this world have. I wonder if you covet and desire after sin. You say, man, I'm a Christian, but I'd still love to to maybe go back to that sin. I wonder, are you a covetous person? Not only is the opposite of contentment covetousness, but there's another side to that coin, also complaining. I wonder, are you a complainer? Maybe you're discontent. Now, all of you husbands and wives in here tonight said, oh, my wife, she's discontent. Yeah, I've heard her complain. She complains that I don't mow the lawn and I, I, I haven't put that shelf up that she asked me to. And maybe you think my wife, she's not a very content person. Or, or wives, maybe you think that way of your husbands or, or, or brothers and sisters think that of, of your other siblings. They're discontent. They're not pleased. They're not happy. Complaining. 
to murmur, to find fault. You, you, you read the book of, uh, of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and you read about the children of Israel and you see time and time again, they're murmuring and complaining. They, they were, they, they saw the Lord with the, the, the ten plagues of Egypt. They came through the Red Sea and three days later, they began to complain. We, we criticize them all. Oh, we're not like the children of Israel. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Yes, we are. We are, we are people who complain. We murmur. We're covetous. And we're not content. We're not content. We have a, a real, uh, bent toward covetousness and complaining. Now these, these are the kind of sins that we've learned to, to cover up and to, to maybe, uh, you know, put a little bit of makeup on, if you will, and, and paint them a little cleaner. We, we like to say, oh, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just discerning. I'm, I'm not complaining. I just want to warn you about that person over there. Can I tell you something? It's still sin. And if we're going to be true Christians, if we are going to be the church of Jesus Christ, if we are going to be a holy people, then it cannot be amongst us. We cannot be a people of, of covetousness, of con- complaining. It's unacceptable for the believer. Can I tell you, as followers of Jesus Christ tonight, we ought to be the most content people on planet earth. The most satisfied in Him the most at peace people on planet earth. Not not because we can overcome our desires, not because we're stoics, but because we have Christ. And we are satisfied in Him. Notice this in in Psalm 23 this evening. There's there's three things I want to point out from you, really from this this passage, but it was in, in, in Hebrews also. But it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The first thing I want you to notice this evening is our natural position. Now it's not explicitly written in this passage, but the assumption is made. The scripture says this, the Lord is my shepherd. And so I ask you, what does that then make us? Sheep. Sheep. Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Can I tell you tonight, our natural position is as a sheep. A sheep. Now, what, what, is, what is a sheep? A, a sheep is, is, is one who is in need. A one who is helpless by nature. A one who, who naturally struggles with direction. You, you, you let sheep go and, and you can go into whales and you see them. They're just wandering and they, they end up all over the place and they get on the roads and all of that. We, we had that men's hike uh, out in Wales a, a, a few months ago and, and there were sheep everywhere. They're just wandering, wandering like a sheep. It's a, the, the, the famous statement. And, and this is not something that is, 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 uh, uh, hard for us to understand. In fact, the, the very famous philosopher, Fred, Frederick Nietzsche said that. Now, I, obviously it wasn't new to him. He, he, he probably was a, a great philosopher because he, he learned to take things that God had already said about mankind. But he said this, that, that mankind is a sheep. And, and, and we are, have a herd morality. You see this in our world today. People just jump on board with the next train that's going by as, as, as our culture moves towards uh, abortion. People are like, yeah, that's okay. As our culture moves towards, uh, the LGBT agenda, people just jump on board. Why not? 
And our, our culture and our people are this way. We go towards the herd. We follow the herd, following uncritically. Frederick Nietzsche said, slaves to the spirit of the age. By nature, we are sheep. We wander about lost and searching. And so we look for shepherds. Many people in this world are looking for somebody to guide them. Whether young or old, maybe, maybe you look to, to a, a sports star, somebody who's great at football. You think that's the person I want to be like. He's got cars and he's got money. He's got skill. We look to them as, as, as mentors, as leaders, as shepherds. Maybe you look to the politicians and you think that's where the answer is. Maybe you, you look to the movements or the news or Facebook or, or media to guide us, but we are sheep in need of a shepherd. That's what Jesus Christ said when he saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion because they were as sheep without a shepherd. By nature, we are sheep. And the truth is that if we, if we follow the, the, the spirit of the age, if we follow the news and the movements and, and the media then we are the blind leaders of the blind, following blindly. And the reality is there are many or if not most of us, most maybe not in this tent, God willing, not many of us in this tent, but most in this world live as wandering sheep, looking for answers, looking for satisfaction, looking for contentment in the world, but more lost than ever. That's our natural possession. The Lord is my shepherd. Our now, secondly, I want you to notice this, not only our position, our natural position, but our Lord's position. Now, it's very easy to find in this passage. What's the scripture say? The Lord is my shepherd. I hope tonight that you can say that. I hope tonight as you're sitting here that you can say that God Almighty, Jesus Christ is your guide. Not many people in this world can say that. I wonder who is guiding you today. I, I spoke Saturday night. Many of you guys know my our, our car broke down, the engine locked up, and and I had the opportunity. A man came over who who had worked on Land Rovers, and 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 he looked at our engine and told us that he thought it was locked up, and had the opportunity to begin to talk to him about uh, spiritual things and about religion. And uh, he professed to me that he he went to church for Easter and for Christmas and things like that. But ultimately, he said this, and he said this out of his own lips. His name was Jim. J-I-M, he said this. He said, honestly, my religion is Jimism. Jimism. And what he was trying to say or what he was saying is that his religion was just following what he felt was right. He was lost. He had no guide. He had no direction. I wonder, is that you tonight? Are you, are you following Sethism or Sharonism or, or whatever your name is? Are you following what you think is right? Or are you following the Lord Jesus Christ? As believers, we have a guide. We have a leader. We have a shepherd. And we don't need to wander as lost sheep. We can say with the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd. He is my guide. He gives me direction. If you notice in, in Hebrews 13, verse 5, I love this because it's speaking about this shepherd. It's speaking about Jesus Christ. Verse number 5, it says this, let your conversation, that's your lifestyle, be without covetousness. That's what we talked about. Your life ought not to be filled with the desires of things that you don't have, but 
and be content with such things as you had. For he, that's God, Jesus Christ, if, if you look in the Old Testament, he said it to Abraham, he said it to Moses, he said it to Joshua, he said it to the children of Israel. And in the New Testament, it's repeated here in Hebrews 13, 5 to us. He said this, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, in this verse in the English, you see, I will never leave thee one negative nor forsake thee two negatives. But in the original language, there are actually five negatives. I will never, never leave thee. No, never, never forsake thee. Think about that. God has promised to us never to leave us wanting. Never to forsake us. He is with us. He is our guide. And that's why we can say with the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, that's the premise of that whole psalm, Psalm 23. If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is that is what this psalm is about. And he goes through. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou, God, art with me. His rod and his staff that comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. My, my head is anointed with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because he is my shepherd. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I wonder tonight, is he your shepherd? He, he would love to be. Jesus Christ said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And if you're willing to admit tonight that you're lost, then the good news is, is He's seeking your soul. And He would love to save you. I wonder if He's your shepherd. I wonder if He is yours. We don't need to wander like sheep, lost and wanting, because He is ours. I love that. Psalm 23 demands a relationship with the shepherd. As sheep, we must have a relationship with God that we could say he is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me. You see that? There's, there's only two people in there. The shepherd and his sheep, a personal sheep. I wonder, is it personal to you tonight? Is he your shepherd? You need him. But this is what I love. And this is what I'm coming to. Our natural position was as sheep, wandering, lost, forsaken, but our Lord's position as a shepherd. And so it gives us a new position. And what is that position? The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, the conclusion of that statement, because God is my king, because he will never leave thee nor forsake thee, what is the results? I shall not want. Why is it then that we as Christians are still discontent? Because we've not made him truly our shepherd. I wonder, is he your shepherd? I wonder, is he yours? I shall not want. That's why Hebrews says, be content. Be satisfied with him. Have peace with such things as you had. For he has said, see that? The assumption is made. Be content with such things as, as you have. Why? Because Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You and I can have contentment. And I, I don't know what you're going to have for dinner tonight. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not the thing you wanted. Learn to be content. Maybe you've got to go home tonight in a vehicle that, that's falling apart and it's a bit of a wreck, rust bucket and it's not what you want. Learn to be content. Why? Because Christ is enough. And if you lose everything you have 
Christ is still enough. If you have nothing left, if you lose your family, if you lose your homes, if you lose your herds, if you lose all that you have, learn to be content in Christ. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Think of Job. Think of Job and, and, and when he lost everything. You know what? He never lost sight of God. He never forsook the Lord. You know, you and I, you, and, and, and in my own life, it's challenging. Uh, when my car, the, the motor locks up, it seizes up. You know what? It's, it's a challenge, isn't it? We go through those trials. When we, when we lose a loved one, we go through those hardships. When, when we're not able to have the things, maybe the children or, or the spouse or, or whatever the situation is that you want, learn to be content. Myself included. Not, 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 not just gripping your emotions and saying, I'm going to tough it. And, and football, that's how you always did. You, you hurt and you ache when we played American football. You say, I'm just going to push through even though I'm, I feel like I'm dying. I don't mean that. I mean learning to set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. Learning to, to look unto Him, the author and finisher of our faith. Learning to, to behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Learn to be content. That's what in, 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 in Philippians chapter number 4, if you look there real quick, this is what the Apostle Paul said. And I love this because it gives us hope. It gives us the ability to think that you and I might be able to obtain this kind of contentment. Now, the Apostle Paul was speaking here to the church in Philippi, and he was saying that they, they, they had, had helped take care of him. But notice what it says in verse number 11. Not that I speak in respect of one. So you're saying, you, you have helped me, church in Philippi, but not that, not that I was speaking poorly on you, but you helped. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I wonder tonight, have you and I learned to be content? Well, it's time we get in the, the school of the Lord Jesus Christ and learn it. Learn to be content with such things you have. There's a, a man, Jeremiah Burroughs, who I mentioned earlier, he wrote a book about this called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And the reality is, I think tonight, and, and, and maybe you can disagree with me, but I believe that contentment amongst Christians is a rare jewel. It's something that's hard to find amongst believers. But you and I, if, if we are going to be true followers of Jesus Christ, need to grab our pickaxe, get down into the mines, and start searching for that jewel in our lives. Learn to be content. Learn to be satisfied. Stop coveting. Stop complaining. Be content with such things as you have. I had a chance to spend a couple summers in the country of Nepal, and Nepal's considered a third world country. Most of the people live... Uh, on less than $2 a day. And uh, poor, poor, the people in that country are poorer, most of them, than the homeless people in our country. They lack, they lack m much more than they do. And, and uh, while I was there, we, we had the opportunity to, to go on several trips out into the villages, r really out into the, the sticks, into the boonies, if you will. And uh, we, we went to this mountain and 
<clears throat> to be honest with you, we were there for two nights we, in, in this specific village, and we had to pop up a little tent, and I, I hadn't done much tent camping at that point, because in America, we don't do tons of that. You guys are a lot more uh, uh, seasoned in these things, but we, we went and we stayed in a tent, and there was like five of us in a two-man tent, and it was hot and sweaty, and, and it was raining out, so we had to stay in there, and um, they, they, we woke up in the morning, and they gave us a big place of right. Of, of rice, sorry, and, and lentil soup on top of it uh, to kind of moisten it. And that was our meal and half of a hard-boiled egg. And uh, to be honest, the, the meal wasn't something that we much wanted. We were a little satisfied or dissatisfied with that. And, and then the pastor at that time said, we're going to go over uh, just over to the other mountain there and, and talk with the lady. And so we hiked for about four hours and our legs were hurting and we were sore and we were clearly malnourished. Uh, didn't have what we needed. We were all about to die and starve to death, of course. And uh, we come to this little shack. Now, the earthquake in Nepal had just happened. This was in 2015. And this lady, had, had her house had been destroyed. It was a mud house initially, but it had been destroyed by the earthquake. And so they were living under a piece of tin with a few boards holding it up. And we gave her a Bible. And uh, we found out that her husband wasn't a believer. Her children weren't believers, but she was. And she took that Bible and she held it in her arms like this. And she said to us, she said, I will forsake my husband, but I will not forsake my God. She didn't have anything, but she was content in Christ. He was enough for her. She didn't need anything else. It was a sweet moment there. She received a Bible that would cost you or me a pound to have printed. But to her, it was, uh, it was a great jewel to have a copy of God's Word in Nepalese in her own language that she could read and she could hear from God and think of the things that we take for granted. Why? Because we struggle with contentment. And I wonder tonight if, if you and I can learn with the Apostle Paul and many of Christians throughout the ages that we could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee this evening for Thy Word, and we thank Thee so much that it is a Word that is enduring. Lord, that it is alive and real to us even today. And I pray and ask that Thou continue to speak to us, continue to deal with our hearts. Teach me contentment, Lord. And that I would be satisfied in Christ. That I would be satisfied in Thee, because we know that Thou art enough. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three are working in our lives. We know it. We know that we have Thy presence even now. Thou hast said, I will never leave Thee nor forsake Thee. Let us cling to these promises now, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.